welcome to another episode of Block Talk. I'm your host as always, Michael Block. If you love the podcast, make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review while you're there. And as always, follow me on Instagram, Threads, and TikTok at MichaelBlockTalk, on Twitter at BlockTalkNYC, and visit theaternow.com for its news, reviews, and interviews. It was time for an acting challenge. The Queens got their morning news show on. So how did they do? It's time to talk all things Drag Race France too. And joining me, well, this Barbie is ready to party. It's OG Fag. <laughs> back, back, back again. Taking a um, break from my Barbie content. My Barbie is that your new out. identity? Yeah, like I'm pretty fully immersed. My friends and I have this running joke that I am probably working the hardest on Barbie promo without actually being compensated for it in any way. Right, right. As of the recording of this episode, I am going tomorrow to one of the Barbie blowout screenings. I will be going dressed as Ken. It's a full commitment. It is my identity. I'm, I'm proud of you. I, I, I am proud of you. Uh, listen, I, all I'm going to say is the marketing team, they have done an excellent job because they either they knew the strike was coming or whatever, they don't have to have the actors do shit because the merchandising is doing it for them. Exactly. The hype and all of that has now gotten to them to the point that they don't really need to worry about it. So that is just so iconic in and of itself. But yeah, I mean, very fortunate, I guess, in terms of the timing. All right. Well, I got some drag news of the week. Are you ready? Ready. Mabu, hey, the cast of Draggers Philippines 2 has dropped. Uh, we got a little sugary, sweet summer confection um, in our promo looks. I don't know if you've seen anything. Um, oh, yeah. That promo and what they did was just so up my alley. The fruits, the colors, the whimsy, all of that. I'm so here for it. And it's making me very excited to see where the season goes. Same. And listeners, I know we will address it when we do the preview podcast I know the allegations out there and what the queen has said. As a reminder, we are in a Western civilized mindset. I'm not making excuses for what this queen did, but if you read their statement, maybe there's a little understanding of where things were, but um, yeah, blackface is just not cool. No, not at all. We're going to get there. We, I promise we will discuss it. And um, hopefully if all goes according to plan, I have two Filipino drag artists joining me so they can help uh, guide us through that because it's not my place to talk about it. Amazing. All right, friends, the pronunciations. I apologize. I will try to get better. Someone just give me like Babbel and Duolingo for free and I will, I will learn French. Yeah, I'm like at this point, actually, I think this would be a great marketing opportunity for you is almost like, do a collab with Duolingo based specifically around Drag Race. Let's Listen, see Drag Race languages around the world. You could host The, the bitch it. went to the Barbie premiere. I think they can handle drag. So, so true. Like, let's make it happen. You can lead the way. Get that promotion. Let's do money, it. Let's make it whatever. happen. Make it also, happen. Sunday Riley, please. I'm still waiting for Sunday Riley. I love Sunday <laughs> Riley. I use their products all the time. And Sunday Riley is a real woman. That's what we have learned. Yes, yes. As of this week, I didn't know that before either until All Stars. I was like, oh. Um, just like Anastasia Beverly Hills is not a real woman. Right. 
Nornivina Pallet is a real woman. It's a joke, friends. I know her last name is not Pallet. She has her own Pallet. All right. As always, I must leave a disclaimer. This is an entertainment podcast. We are discussing reality TV show characters presented to us through reality television production. We are shown what the editing of a television show wants us to see. We react to what is presented. Yes, they are real people and get an opportunity to go on television to share their craft, but they also put themselves in a position to be discussed with said in the podcast for entertainment to discuss a reality television show. Okay. Three episodes in. Uh, you join me for the preview podcast. Mm-hmm. Wow. We got some shit wrong. I know. I'm like... Wow, this is so wild. I mean, right from the first episode, right? Like the fact that Rose got eliminated immediately. I never would have saw that coming. Like so unexpected. I mean, they're really keeping us guessing this season. But she is keeping herself relevant. I don't know if you've seen through uh, the Rose and Punani social media channel. Uh, Every week that Eliminated Queen gets eliminated, she's doing like a therapy session with them. Oh, that makes me think of Down Under when art Simone yeah, yeah, art therapy. Yeah, yeah. That's such a good idea. I love when Very they smart. do those fun little things to like keep themselves sort of in it and in the cycle and then also bring in the other contestants too. It's such a nice way right. for all of them to be able to- And it's also them. probably because of the way that they set up their social media. They have one side for Punani and one side for Rose. So she has to have her Rose content. So there it is. Right, right. All right, well, let, let's go through this. The queens are melancholic because Vespi is gone. Vespi's elimination has made it very real that every week someone special will be going home. Cookie reads her mirror messages. Peach is sad. She lost a sister. Um, apparently, they were very, very close, and we just never knew that. I feel like I did see a post on one of their Instagrams of them doing something together. But yeah, I feel like that wasn't covered in the show at all. So I found that very interesting. We get no context for the relationship until the elimination. (laughs) It's like, oh, okay. (laughs) Peach will tell Cookie to not feel guilty for what happened. She is great and she deserves to be there. But in confessional, Cookie will now turn to us and say that she would prefer not to do the dirty work and just let everyone else eliminate each other. Good for her. Yeah, listen, do what you need. Put it out there. Be confident. Peach is happy to have won the challenge, but she is sad that her good Judy left her. At the same time, she feels a little guilty. Peach never cries. Her friends haven't seen her cry in years. Now everyone and the world will see her shed a tear. Meanwhile, I cry all the time. Right? Right. Would you cry on television? I feel like I would. I feel like I'm also one of those people that would initially go in being like, there's no way I'm going to cry. I'm not letting that happen. And then once I was in it, I think it would happen. <laughs> like, I know myself too well. Yeah, same. Peace. Knows it's a competition. Knows the rules. But she's bummed that Vespi invested so much into this. Now she will fight for her and Vespi to go all the way. No one will send her home. Um... Is this like, you killed my father, prepare to die? What is happening? Where where did we get this passion for Vespi? I mean, yeah, she's a cute little twink, but come on. Yeah, and it just goes back to that notion of if this was going to be such, I guess, a significant part that they were going to use the whole start of this episode for that relationship, why didn't we get essentially any context while Vespi was actually still there? It's just, it's such an interesting approach to the edit. Yeah. All right, let's do it. Be prepared. It's a new day. And the queens are giving us shark realness as they sing the Jaws theme song. As a reminder, the Jaws theme song also leads into the world famous bop of all bops, Baby Shark. (laughs) I would not have been mad if they started going full out Baby Shark choreo. 
Really, part of me is surprised that they didn't because I was thinking of it. I mean, I think it's true of other international franchises as well, but I just love so much when they come in now and do these super elaborate entrances. It is just the funniest thing. It brings me so much joy. So you can never rule out complex choreo. Um, Are you good with choreo? I would say probably not. <laughs> what about like I'm hand choreo? A dancing queen. I mean, maybe I could probably do the Jaws thing that they did. I'll give myself okay. that credit. Well, I'm going to put you on the spot. Give me the choreo for Barbie Shark. Do, 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 do. Oh my gosh. Okay. It would have to have, I think, like a hand on the hip and like mm-hmm. that, just like a side kind of like this, a little shimmy, a little shake. Mm-hmm. There it is. Uh, why then, is there not a Barbie Shark? After doing the little dance, a little. Do you all ever think about dying? <laughs> <laughs> Why isn't there a Barbie shark? We have uh, Barbie mermaid, Barbie and Ken mermaid. There really should be, because actually Barbie also has this whole line of essentially mascot costumes. So they're mm-hmm. dolls that are in all of these different animals. There's safari ones. There's other cutesy ones like rabbits that I was trying to get around Easter, but I couldn't find probably for obvious reasons. So where is the shark Barbie? Bring it out. Mommy Wata is determined this week. So determined. She's put on clothes. Thank you. I appreciate the effort. (laughs) You have the body. Listen, you want to show it. I'm like, I get it. Yeah. Look behind you. I can, I understand. Um, (laughs) What will they do this week? Well, someone wants a group thing and then someone follows it up with that's called an orgy. Uh, well, I'm certain that there have been an orgy or two and those drag race history tours. Come on. It happens. What happens on tour stays somewhere. Exactly. Good for them. Good for them. Ah. The cockadoodles. And it's time for our favorite host, Nikki Doll, to leave a little message as she zaps them with her remote. The girls are clued in. They know it is time for an acting challenge. Well, we get our We Want Nikki chant and she looks magnificent. And I'm here for this look. Very proper, very sexy, very androgynous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nikki, I'm loving the fashion choices out of drag in particular. It's always something super cute, super interesting. Lots of range too, which I appreciate. So mm-hmm. I'm here mm-hmm. for it. Well, she wants to make it clear that when it comes to complimenting her, she loves nothing more. Flattery, it goes a long way. Nikki wants to know who the messiest one is. And Moon says her. She says she leaves everything around. She loses everything because she's absent-minded. She's Moon. Her head is in the clouds. True to the name. Love the branding. Who complains the most? Eyes all dart to Cookie. (laughs) The diva, the diva. But Nikki says no time to rat each other out. Behind their back, call them out to their face. In the grand tradition of Paris is burning. The library is open because reading is what? On all three currently airing franchises of Drag Race. Has that ever happened before? Not this hard. There have been overlaps before. Believe me, I've called them out, but not this on the reading challenge. Yeah, because that's what I was thinking too. I was thinking about how I feel as though there have never been this many reading challenges in the same week. All right. Um, that's right, friends. Drag Race France 2, Drag Race Mexico, and Drag Race All-Stars 8 all had the reading challenge this week. And I did let the fans of the show read me. It was a dumb decision. But I said I would read the good ones on the pod. I have given some on the other two recordings I have done. I'm going to give you one. Here is one. It is a very savage one. Um, from Adriana Trenta. Michael blocked by Icon. <laughs> That one is so good. I love it. 
the fact is I'm not blocked by icon and the other way around, um, but a falling out. That's all it was on my part. A falling out. (laughs) Um, God, Adriana, you fucking bitch. Whatever. All right. The pit crew is summoned and it's a man in a speedo and no one is mad. Literally no one is mad. Never. It's really, it's really crazy how we as a society, we, we look down on objectifying women. But when it comes to gay men and gay men in Speedos, we're like, fuck it. Give us more. Always. I the feel the rush. From them, I mean, I think, you know, we, we talked about this when Sweden was airing, and I know that there were probably reasons for it, but definitely was missing that pit crew. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. got to well, make up for it now. We're going to get a pit crew this week uh, <laughs> oh, yes, now before we will. get into it um i will say that the challenge along with most of the jokes of this episode google translate fail as i was alerted by a listener of the pod some of the jokes did not work in the captions but we will go with what was presented until i figure out how to speak french <laughs> and this is going to be a long reading challenge because we got content oh yeah ginger on punani you lost your rose I wouldn't feel good either if I lost a ball. <laughs> Ginger on mommy. You did well to put on that hat. Every trash can has a lid. That was one of my favorites. That was so good. Ginger on cookie. A tasteless cookie with no nuggets is called shortbread. She's short. I guess that was the joke. That was the Yeah, joke. I'm like, okay, yeah, she's a little short. All right. Peach on Kitty. Let's start in ascending order of charisma. Kitty Space. Well, doesn't that come back around? Uh huh. Peach on Kiona. You're so beautiful and so tall that I wonder how many times your forehead hit the workshop entrance. After hearing you speak, I realize it happens often. That one had to come around because I was like, yeah. all right, it started off in a place that I was like, eh, but I appreciate it at the end. Kishan Mamiwata, water spirit, waste water. Also one of the peaks of the whole sequence. Kishan Cookie, Cookie, mom, legend, model, but I have a question with all that Botox. It would have been cheaper to reincarnate. I appreciate that Cookie leaned into it though and was like, if my face could move, I would be emoting right now. Exactly. Moon on Ginger. Nikki, you know this competition is so long. We're locked up. I'm super horny. I could literally fuck anyone. Like Ginger, as a man. Yikes. Moon on Peach. I'm a Romani. You're a gypsy. Esmeralda. Quasimodo, or rather, Jolly the Goat. I was living. You, you can't unsee it. You can't Yeah, you it. really can't. It's just... I mean, and starting with Quasimodo too, it's like, you look crazy and then you look like a literal animal. Like, yeah. come on. Moon on Panani. Puna, nope. Short, sweet, and to the point, but so good. Moon on Kiona. Blah, blah, blah. You are perf- personification of tachycardia. <laughs> okay. I appreciated that one too. I was like, bam, bam, bam. Okay, I'm with it. Unani on Moon, Switzerland, chocolates, cheese, watches, but no visible talent. Come on, insulting an entire country. You know, listen, you got to take the gamble sometimes. Unani on Kitty, right between April and June. Meh. I love that that one. That was really good. Poo Nani on Cookie, your name rhymes well with ugly. 
Probably better in French. Yeah, exactly. I was like, that's not translating. Sarah, on Moon, like all the gays, I love astrology. Next week, your sign will be in a retrograde, but the week after that, there will be a total eclipse. That one felt like too much of a reach. I was like, there's not, it's not coming through. It's not hitting. And maybe it is the translation. Sarah on Mommy. Oh, she's undressed. If the size of the garment equal the size of the talent, a bikini would fit you perfectly. So savage. And so appropriate. Sarah Cookie, what an excellent actress. On the big screen, she makes us believe she can turn straight people into gays, while in real life, when gays see her, they turn straight. Oops. Does Oh, Katie on Peach. Honey, now she's going to put on another pair of gla- sunglasses. It's better this way. That one I didn't fully understand. Because she like, doesn't want to see her. Yeah, I'm like, I... I kind of get it, but I'm like, wouldn't almost putting on multiple pairs of glasses help you see better in some way? I don't know. I, I think it was like, sunglasses, and that's why it made it darker. Yeah, I, I'm like, I kind of get it's it. It's a stretch. It's a it's, massive yeah, stretch. Yeah, I think that's what it was. I was like, I get the direction. I get where this is going, but it feels like too much of a stretch to be funny. Kitty on moon. When I see without makeup, I think to myself, the moon has lots of craters. Absolutely one of the best. That one was so good. I cracked up. Kitty on Punani. You look pretty gloomy. Are you okay? Since she left? That one really lost me. I think it was a lot, definitely lost in translation. Yeah, I'm imagining. And also, I like, of course, it comes up in a few of the other ones, but I also didn't fully understand all of them just going after Punani for Rose leaving. I'm like, are you trying to say that? She's not talented without Rose there and she needs to rely on Rose. I don't know. I was, it that, that just felt like they were trying to reach for something that really didn't land. Mommy on Ginger, the only one who had to eat the cast of season one to be here. Bitch, she made that joke on the talent show. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like the, the jokes, re- yeah, repeatedly about essentially that same joke. It's enough, but also that that's another one of those. It just feels low-hanging fruit, like be a little cr- more creative. Mommy on Punani, I thought of you this morning when I passed by Rose's empty dressing room. Yeah, another one where it's like, okay, the Rose connection, but for Listen, what? if you want to make a joke like that, it's I thought of you this morning when I was taking a shit. Yeah, there's many other directions where that joke starting that way could go that would be actually a read and would be actually funny. Mommy on Kiona, I work at an elementary school and even the kids don't have that much chalk in their mouths. <laughs> Savage. Yeah. Kiona on Peach. Peach. Oh, my Peach. When she removed her makeup, I thought, since when does Castaldi do drag? Look it up. There is a slight resemblance. Yeah, I'll have to look it up because I didn't. And I was like, this is a cultural one that I'm just not getting. Kiona on Sarah or Trinity the Tuck as you like. Okay, listen, I've said it on the podcast already. She fucking looks like Orion Story. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Now that you said that. Orion Story with talent. Oh. (laughs) <laughs> there's a read, there's a read. Uh, cookie on ginger just like ginger you're an old root with dubious appearance that one i also loved i was like you were saying she looks like a literal root like that is so funny to me cookie on punani now i know what Catherine would do without lillian not much cultural thing they're a duo i get it it's fine it's fine yeah Cookie on Sarah, I have always wondered, is the father Igor or Grinchka Bogdov? 
Google it. It will make sense. <laughs> it will make sense. They're a pair of twins, I guess, that had like a lot of work done. Yeah, and then I loved though Sarah in the confessional doing the face movement with the like well Donatella which one your mother or Madonna. Like, oof. Yeah, it was so good. Poor Madonna, I'm sure she's doing fine. Bob is gonna be okay, friends. Bob's gonna have a job. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> um, and finally, Cookie on Mommy, the prototype, Kiona, the finished project product. Also very savage very and good, very, very funny. Good. All right, what a long reading challenge, but hey, at least it was pretty good. I thought, I, I, listen, I am here for giving us a lot of extra content if it means good reads. Yeah, I agree. It's it's one of those where I feel as though sometimes the reading challenge can just go so sideways and it's not funny and they can't do it. But this batch of queens felt like overall they were really able to deliver it. So I appreciate that. All right, the winner of the challenge is Peach. Okay, I'm here for it. I will say I watched the reading challenge as a whole a couple of times, and I really thought Moon should have won. From what they aired, it felt like Moon had the best consistency, and they were so funny. They were so good. Some of them were just really straight to the point. Other ones, there's a little bit more to them. So I feel like I didn't totally agree with the winner. As tradition this season, to celebrate her spiciness, she wins a box of toothpicks. I don't, I, I don't get it. I don't either. I was like, am I missing something? Because I watched season one. I've been keeping up with season two, and I don't get the toothpicks. She wanted a kiss from a pit crew member. I mean, same, but <laughs> we can't always get what we want. Exactly. All right, it's Maxi Challenge time. They will show their acting skills in a TV show parody, The Croissant Show. But not only is it acting, it's improv. They will provide a setting and a storyline, but it's up to them to create their characters and text. That's what they said. Wait until we see it. Since she won the mini challenge, Peach will get the power to assign the roles. Drama incoming. Oh, and they will have to impress two iconic guests. First, the king of fashion and clever remarks, Louis Prigent, who was a guest judge last season. What episode? I do not remember him. Don't ask me to recall random shit out of the top of my head. Can't do that. I can't. But I do know he was on last season wearing the same fucking hat. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I was like, I don't remember this person. But now that you say that, I'm like, I should. Rumor, rumor has it he was a last minute replacement because someone um, missed their flight. Oh, okay. And you know who was missing from that panel. True. Second, it's an international star in the muse of the greatest creators and directors, Rosy de Palma. For those who may not know, she is one of Pedro Almodovar's girls and was the subject of some of the looks on the runway of Drag Race España 2. Mm. Yeah, um, Estrella Extravaganza did one of her looks. Ah, I um, say- are, are you familiar with Rosy de Palma? Not really, and I did not like what she was wearing. <laughs> it's her thing. It's it's very much she she's she's Spanish, but she's also she also speaks French. Like she's an icon. She's old. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, I I get it. It must be, but I was just like that outfit was so crazy to me. I was just like, you. She she's a crazy old lady. It's it's really what it is. All right. Well, the girls are going to take their seats on the couches as it's time to determine who is playing who. The script reads that it's 7 a.m. French people's favorite moment. Uh, Ill Jesus, gross. That's too early. Yeah, I 
get up at seven for work and it's just, it's too much. Sometimes I get up before seven and that's way too much. So for me, um, if it's 7 a.m., I'm finding someone who's like seven hours ahead to flirt with. <laughs> As one should. So Appropriate terrible. 7 a.m. activities. So terrible. So terrible. Um, all right. The Croissant Show is a morning chat show. Are you a fan of the morning chat show genre? At least here in America. Yeah, I feel like there's always an interesting energy to it. You know, the, I mean, you have to be just so engaging because it is first thing in the morning. And sometimes, especially I feel like on, you know, like the Today Show when they have the musical artists come in, there's always these iconic moments that can come about, like Fergie doing the cartwheels. So I think in America, they do a really nice job of making it very entertaining and engaging. And again, creating sometimes iconic pop culture moments. Right. Um, I, I don't really engage in the morning talk shows because I'm usually sleeping. Um, but like, obviously um, I've gone to a lot of talk shows. I've only gone to one um, actual in-studio um, morning show. And that was Good Morning America. When I went for my birthday to see the debut performance of Icy by Kim Petras. Oh, I'm jealous of that. Do you know who's sitting across from me? And I was trying to get their attention and be like, oh my God, I love you. Her good Judy Aquaria. No way. Yeah, out of drag, obviously, because 7 a.m. drag, no. <laughs> Never a good look. No, that's when you pay someone to do it while you sleep. Exactly. Peach doesn't want to see any fighting. So she tells the girls to have several options ready. <laughs> Sure, girl. Uh, Peach has gone into executive producer mode and is coming for Candy Muse's gig. Executive producer, Candy Muse. The icon, the legend. The loser. Um, She's not going to win. Reading, reading. Look at the likes on the social medias. Jimbo's like three to four times above her. You know, I respect it. I understand. I am definitely a toxic Candy Muse stan. So I'm always going to be rooting for her. She's my girl. But I absolutely adore Jimbo too. So literally, like, this is the happiest I think I've ever been with a top two. Not mad in any way. All right. Well, Kiana will kick us off and says that she likes the horoscopes and sports coach. Oh, and the weather forecast. She's pretty open. Good for her. Heard that about you too. Hey, not wrong. <laughs> The moon is hesitating between horoscopes and weather forecasts, but feels horoscope is too obvious as she's already a witch and a tarot reader. I uh, heard about heard that about you too. <laughs> so many relevant things about me. Know, Maybe right? this episode is actually about me this week. Right? Also, if anyone out there is good at tarot, I would love a reading. I need a new reading. I need to know what's going on in my life. Oh my Sometimes God. you got to sort that out. Need a little direction. Punani is very much into the anchor duo, which is fascinating. She really does need a partner in crime at all times, doesn't she? Very so maybe telling. the reads were accurate. Yeah, maybe not funny, but accurate. <laughs> now in this moment, Punani is trying to get Sada's attention as she thinks it would be a great part for her and she catches on. Sarah wants it. And they will also throw out that the horoscope would be a great part for her too, but she is stuck in her way. She's desiring the anchor role. But here's the wrench. Peace also wants the anchor duo. She sees herself in the part trouble is coming peach is nice but she thinks to herself i gotta think about myself she will tell the girls that she wants to be the anchor woman with one of them but she wants to sol to solidify the remaining roles which is essentially all of the roles because no one has fucking picked a role yet right 
All right, let's move on to the cookie duo. And we're going to hear Ginger say that she wants to do with cookie. Set. Peach is going to share that she thinks Kitty would be good for the sports coach. And she's like, no, I don't see myself as that. Nobody does except for mommy, but she prefers the interviewer. Okay, this isn't working. So we're just going to fill in the blanks. If mommy takes a sports coach and Sarah's the interviewer, Kitty can be the teleshopping bit, which would leave Punani and Peach the anchors to which Punani is like, great, we've never worked together. And why would we do this? Um, Time to break out of your comfort zone. That's what Drag Race is about. It really is. And when Punani said, like, we never worked together, I was like, who else have you worked with? (laughs) Right. Like, the only person that I believe you've worked with went home. So, and it's only been about, what, this is episode three? So I'm like, you didn't really have other episodes except for we were Did she cheat on Rose outside in the real world? Perhaps. Perhaps. Well, we have our cast. OG, what role would you have selected for yourself? I was thinking about this a little bit and I feel like what I would have wanted to do would have been either the horoscope or the shopping consultant Mm -hmm. one. I thought those were both really great opportunities. I didn't understand why people wanted to be in duos because I feel as though it just lends itself to potentially trouble because especially when it's like improv based you'd have to be able to play off of another personality. You never know what maybe they're coming up with that maybe you're not keeping up with or picking up. So yeah, my preference would have been like one of those solo ones in particular, the horoscope or the shopping one. I will say going solo is good if you are good at going solo because, but if you do have a partner, at least you can have something to build upon as we will learn in a little bit when you go solo. Yep. Yep. We're going to head to set. And well, the show heard my pleas to have a separate set instead of the workroom, but they did this despite me. Um, and they moved the filming to the main stage, which <laughs> I just found to be weird. I'm greedy. Give me a new full set. Give me a new full fucking set. Yeah, because I also realized when I was watching the episode a second time was that actually the way that they filmed it, oftentimes the stage was in the shot. Like they would do these low angles where the lights were very much taking up a portion of the screen. And I was like, why is it so low? If you're going to film on the main stage, just keep it at a level where we're not seeing the runway in that capacity. I didn't get it. Nikki and Daphne await the girls and our first queens arrive and Peach is like, Edimol has money. Um, Toss that one back in my face and make me look like a dick. I got it. But um, Edimol is a production company. Um, they are known for a lot of shows, including Survivor. Ooh, mm-hmm. right up your alley. Um, and a lot of shows that I used to watch in the early 2000s, I, 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 like, I remember always seeing the logo um, at the end of some like, I honestly want to say like Moolah Beach and um, Endurance. Do you remember those Survivor oh gosh, kids Endurance, shows? Absolutely, yeah. I think they were part of it. I don't know. I could be making it up. Anyway, the anchors are going to kick off their rehearsals because in this improv, they do get a few takes to establish the bits that work. So, sure, it's improv. Right, exactly. There were a few moments in the whole sequence of filming this that I was like, is this really improv? This does not feel like improv. This and is, that they're giving. there's a writer strike and they're making up a, a script without writers. That's pretty much what it felt like. Okay, so... um. Pisha Punani will say, good evening. And Nikki stops them and says, this is a morning show. And they're like, well, we know. We thought it would be funny to say good morning like we didn't wake up because we've been up all night. And when the first attempt at the joke doesn't land, it's safe to say that this is not the direction to head in. 
Right. And it's interesting, though, in a way, because I feel like with the character that Moon is going for, it kind of would work and make sense. Right. So I'm like, why are we totally derailing that? I don't know. We learn that the theme of the show is about prep and demonism, which is a term I had never heard before. But according to Google, it is the quality of being characterized by vigorous activity and progress. And now knowing what that word is, it checks out. I'm a lazy motherfucker. (laughs) Nikki will warn them that they are too hysterical. Like hysterical, I wake up and hysterical, I zap off. Okay, Basically, calm the energy. But wait, this is drag. You need to be energetic. Nikki, give him a good direction here. Like, this was such a difficult balance to deal with. Yeah. And and that I felt like red, especially in the final, like, finished product, too. So it was, yeah, it made for an interesting uh, challenge. Peace knows what she's on she's on so great for her to be told to tone it down as every second counts we're going to move on and bring on moon as the meteorologist and she too is like good evening and then flips to this morning and has the energy of a girl who just left an after party uh clearly not a bk afters because i hear things get mellow quite quickly if you know what i mean (laughs) yes moon wants to play the character as someone who is completely out of it and doesn't know what is happening so much so that she thinks she's in switzerland but she's actually on a french set um great yeah i always feel as though in the fake drag talk show universe taking the weather is so risky never forget the hell no storm (laughs) so i'm like i mean you have to come up with something that's cute something that's fun so exactly what you were saying i'm like sure i mean doesn't seem that complex good to go Nikki cuts her and says that they know who she is as they have been her before. And even Daphne reveals that she has been on a morning show in a weird state quite a few times. Do tell, Miss Berkey. What kind of state do you mean? Yeah, exactly. What, by what drugs state. were they? Or what hangover? Right. Weird states. Too vague. Give us more. Because um, it is, I did learn that she has done a lot of uh, talk show and, and morning show appearances in her career. Uh, so this was very much in her alley. Mm, okay Daphne will tell her to cover it up as Nikki says the funny thing is that they will see it but she does not scratch the tornado version of this character next joining them is Saturn Forever in the most hideous leopard print attire and um, a face of news like that face was so manufactured you believe it was an old lady from the news yes Yeah. we will learn that in her bit she will be interviewing Daphne as she also happens to be a fan and wants to devour her her words, not mine. Uh, so that's the character description here. Unlike our first three, Nikki tells her that she is being overshadowed by Daphne and has to be at the same level of her, as her. Now, I think that is sound advice. You always want to match your guests unless your guest is a fucking snooze. Then don't match them. Believe me, I have been there. Energy sucks can ruin a chat. Like literally it's pulling teeth. And friends, if you notice if I've ever had very short recaps, that's fine. <laughs> a little intel a little insider information yeah, it's, it, there, there are literally times and i'm like i'm just gonna keep talking because you're not gonna talk back to me and i'm just i want to go home and go sleep <laughs> we gotta get this done now daphne will break character for a minute to direct sarah as she tells her she would like her to hit on her and she's like for real for real and that's when the scene picks up obsession i think so it went such a direction it was a real zero to 60 whereas the other ones were toning down i was like oh this is really going a place 
there is crawling, there is touching, and this is what Daphne asked for. Um, and she then says she doesn't get this feeling often. I was like, same. <laughs> Relatable. But you know what? You know what does get me going? Uh, the Rush music video. I'm not going to lie. That is... God, that it's, video. It's great. I love it. Listen, when Troy Sivan does that little smirk, uh, when the kid almost lights a stick on fire, I was like, you know what? I'll take the smirk. Yeah, there's some weird energy in that video, but I'm here for it. I enjoyed it. I appreciated it. All right, time for some teleshopping. Uh, well, when we announced the presenter, because as Peach says, they didn't have time to read everything. How long do they have to prepare this? Like 10 minutes? Yeah, and also, this was another part that was confusing to me as being an improv challenge. I was like, what do you mean you didn't have time to read everything? I thought it was just you were getting a loose outline and then you made it. So like, yeah. what? you didn't have time to re- read what? I, so I found that to be confusing. Um, have you ever teleshopped? Are you a QVC fan? I really don't teleshop because I just feel like in this day and age, it's more about the internet shopping yeah. and you see something through the algorithm or here or there. I'm a big Etsy person. So sometimes I'll just be scrolling through and it'll grab me and I'll, you know, order whatever from there. Um, but I will say my grandmother was a huge QVC person. It was like every other day packages coming in, all of that. Also, there was one time that Joan Rivers, I will never forget this, Joan Rivers was doing a QVC and she was live on the air. And I tried to call in because it was either her actual birthday or very close to it. And I was like, please put me on, as a child, I was like, please Mm -hmm. put me on the air with Joan Rivers. And they would not. And it felt very rude. Um, I don't think it was QVC, but do you remember the Liza um, uh, home shop? I think it was Home Shopping Network with Liza. Yes. Yeah, iconic. Friends, if you have not seen it, go watch it on YouTube. She knows how to sell shit. (laughs) It's a skill. It is. All right, we're going to have Kitty play a character called Anne-Sophie Ping. I have learned from one of our dear listeners that the character was modeled after a character called Critique Rockwell, which is the same character Lova Ladiva tried to do on season one. And it's also mixed with a character called mm-hmm. Anne-Sophia de la Coquilette. So basically, she's going to try to do too much. Um, and Cricket Rockwell is a curse and will get you eliminated because that's the same episode. Love Diva got eliminated. Yeah. And actually, with that additional context, now that comment from Daphne makes more Correct. sense. Correct. There it is. I just thought it was just a little bit loosely around sort of the energy of the like... <laughs> Because, I mean, who could forget that? And I felt as though Kitty was doing a little bit of that. But now that really puts it fully in scope. Listen, when you see Nikki and Daphne wince and cringe, you knew Kitty was in danger, girl. Oh, yeah. Kitty will break her prop and then ask for advice what to do. And then she moves on to an object and says, it removes drugs from one's nose as well as semen from the face. Okay, Kitty. uh, Improv is not a good thing for you not the best uh, skill set that you got let's just say that but it does reveal a lot about her doesn't it oh yes it does nikki will tell her to limit herself to one product so she can present it in a funnier way and kitty will fumble once drag shin is called daphne will have to come up on stage and walk her through some options of how to do this bit and again she clearly knows how to do this she's done this before and then that hunk of a man comes out and we're gonna see a blender put under his arm and I'm like, what in the actual fuck is going on? But also just come in my bed instead. 
Exactly. I had the same reaction pretty much. I was like, I have no idea what's going on. This is so unhinged, but I'm here for the journey. Even though she's struggling, Kitty is thankful that Daphne believes in her and is holding her hand through this challenge. And I was like, sure, that's exactly what she's doing. She does not want to see you bomb. Right. I also loved that Daphne seemed to be a little bit confused too when Kitty was like, oh, it's a hair removal thing. And Daphne was like, this man is hairless. What are you talking about? <laughs> right. And that's why I was confused too. I was like, wait, did you already do it to him? What's happening? And then he lifts his arms like there's barely anything there. Yeah, did not really make sense, but sure. Okay, so like, okay, is this, would this man be a twink? Is he a twunk? What, what, where do we categorize him? Oh boy. I don't, yeah, I don't think he's a twink. He's too muscly for that, I yeah. feel. So probably more in the twunk family. Okay, okay. I'm not sure right. he would have been in the Rush video. Uh, <laughs> no, I think he could have fit through that door to get onto set. Yeah, I think he maybe could have fit, but I'm like, body type-wise, maybe a little bit too defined. That's fair, that's fair. All right, next up, we introduce Kiona as the lady with the horoscopes, and we get a zinger for Pisces. Uh, Stop flirting and running away. You are not Nikki Doll. The audacity to do that in front of Nikki Doll. Also, she has a moon in her Berkey. Uh, What's your sign? I am a Leo. Checks out. Um, yeah i'm like a very leo leo absolutely i'm an aquarian um i feel like i'm some aquarian there there are some traits of aquarius that i'm like i don't identify with but i'm also technically a cusp aquarius because i'm born on the dawning of the age of aquarius january 20th well how about that okay kiona they like that she's camping crazy and created a character she just needs a beginning middle and end Friends, she's safe. They have no fear. They like her too much. She can have literally taken a shit on stage and she would have been like, oh, sing. Oh, yeah. Could you ever imagine that this early she would be in jeopardy? There's no way. We will jump ahead to Mommy, who will play Karine Lecroix, and she is towering over that hunk of a man. Now, I know Mommy is tall and she is in heels, but she made this man look like he was a munchkin. Yeah, her body is just so wild that I'm like, you put her in heels, she's going to make almost anyone look very small, except for maybe La Grande Dame. I want to see them next right. to each other. <laughs> and please note, this is more clothes than mommy has ever worn. Progress, people. Progress. Clearly, this episode for her was about modesty. Literally. Now, now her first attempt at a workout includes getting on your knees, going back and swallowing. This TV show is about to be canceled. It's just... I was thinking about this during that portion and throughout going back to what Kitty was doing as well. I just feel like sometimes people default to that. Let's just be aggressively sexual and over the top in that way to be funny. And Mm -hmm. that's not always funny. There are so many other ways to do comedy and make something land. So I think it's a crutch that sometimes the contestants end up leaning on. Absolutely. Daphne will say that the character she creates is absurd and notes that no one will have her body and thus explain that the workout um, will allow the viewers to get that result, which is funny. And also causes me to keep eating my sorrows away. (laughs) Time to tone it down again. And finally, let's head to the kitchen where there is an actual set, Mama. We have Ginger and Cookie who are taking on the inspiration of Mati and Micheline, who were presenters of a famous French cooking show in the 80s and 90s. So that's where they took their characters from. Again, Google search it and it will make more sense. Cookie will adopt a voice. And Daphne is like, no, keep your normal voice. And I'm like, but that's not funny. 
I think Cookie just got sabotaged. I think so too, which goes back to just what you were saying at the start of when they were rehearsing. Like the idea of improv is that you're just doing it on the spot. So the over-direction of some of these elements and not letting the queens make the choices that they wanted to make, very confusing. Now, do you remember, we're going to go way back in the way back machine to Drag Race UK 2 when we had the morning show challenge? Yes. The birthday cakes. Uh Uh-huh. Sister, sister and Veronica Green. Yeah, at least this is better. Yes. I mean, because it's like at least part of part of the duo was working very well. (laughs) (laughs) and then Um, i was also thinking um in terms of the direction that cookie takes way back even further season five with the literal translation of making the banana split right 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 ginger ate an onion and down the glass of vinegar listen commit to the bit but don't die trying yeah i was like she's fully trying to die like Nobody told you you need to eat the onion. Nobody. This is not fear factor. We're not going that far. (laughs) Ginger making her own TV show within a TV show (laughs) within a TV show. (laughs) This is all teases we get from filming. It's elimination day and the queens are feeling all sorts of way. Sarah had fun with Daphne. Moon thought it was really fun. Then Cookie unprompted will ask Moon, by the way, what do you want to show? Well, she wants to show that the art of drag can be handmade. Okay, great. Let's continue. What? Where, what did that comment? What did that comment have to do with anything? Yeah, just no segues, just straight up. <laughs> Punani will say that they all started in their mother's tights and sister's lipstick. Facts or fiction? I don't think all. I think that that is fiction. I do too. I think that's a, that's a little bit of a stretch. Yeah. Kiona says that she started in her little sister stuff and the first time she was in drag was in high school in her suburbs. It was the carnival and she went to class in heels and discovered that gender is a fluid thing. As soon as she put on the wig, makeup, and perfume, she was treated differently. It was Madame and Miss. And I was like, wait, how tall were you? They they told you you were Madame or Miss? (laughs) Listen, it's tall ladies. I get it, but. Giant women. She continues on when she started on social media and drag, people thought she was a trans girl, which she said was very flattering. Moon says when she started drag, she couldn't put it into words, her trans identity. She started as boring as a beautiful girl, but she'd rather be a beautiful creature. She says it helped her balance her femininity that she didn't dare show every day. She felt the femininity disappear when she would remove her makeup, and she has been on hormonal treatment for eight months now. She says when she first made the appointment, she felt bad. She was depressed 24 hours a day. Her life was hell as she was in survival mode. She didn't want to live. She wanted to quit life. She felt she couldn't handle it and contemplated suicide. She tells us that when you feel nothing is right, you think, what's the point? She was convinced she was the problem and didn't even try to understand why she felt bad. She figured dying was easier. So the girls will come over for what I call now the big group trauma hug as they tell her she's brave. Mm -hmm. She realized she had too much to say and too much to achieve that when she decided to take hormones, she felt the desire to live and no longer was in survival mode. She was in life mode. She realized life was beautiful and this is the first time she is feeling life is worth living. 
Peaches and Confessional tells us that this is one of the hardest fights in our community because of the stigmatization. Trans people have the highest suicide rates and need to be protected and says that trans people are emergencies that need to be taken care of. So we've learned a lot about Moon's backstory and this is, I guess, more of the solidifying um, her experience that definitely can relate to people who do watch the show. Right. Yeah, I I really love Moon so much. Like, I, you know, I mean, granted the promo look, as we discussed on the preview podcast, was, was not the best, but I've really enjoyed getting to know her more throughout the couple of episodes. And I think so much of her approach to drag really resonates with me. Like, that's where I come from with drag is more of that idea of being a creature almost and being like otherworldly versus trying to really look like, I guess you would say, you know, a typical person. Right. Um, and like more of that, she brings in this artistic flair and there's elements that feel really, again, artsy with illustration, the fashion, all of that. So I'm really, I really enjoyed the segment. It was nice to see that side of her and get to know her a little bit more. We're going to take a massive pivot here. Mommy will now reveal that she has been convinced for years that she's a trans woman, but can't do it as she feels it's a barrier she can't break because of her parents. She says that her father is sick and what she's doing there is already too much for him. If she crosses that barrier, it could kill him. We're getting another trauma hug, but she says she wants to think of herself, but her parents have always been there for her. She doesn't want to put her parents in their graves. She would rather be in the wrong and give her parents the opportunity to still be a little bit happy, even if she's in the wrong. Now you're going to have Moon in a very calming but stern manner tell her that her reasoning isn't right. She says they gave birth to her, but it's now her life. Kiona tells us in confessional that it's hard because the people who are supposed to love us the most in the world can make you miserable at the same time. We've never heard this spoken about on Drag Race, really. Mm -hmm. There are definitely people who have had this experience, but I feel like no one has been on the show who's actually experienced not wanting to be themselves because of their family. Yeah, I feel that way as well. You know, I think sometimes we get that narrative of, which I think is also true of some of what's been said in this season. You know, certain family members don't know that a contestant does drag and maybe the show will be the way that they find out. I think, of course, we hear plenty of the narratives around people more so being in the closet and not, you know, being an out gay person and all of that. But yeah, when when I was listening to mommy share that story, I was thinking that of just that probably actually really does resonate with some people out there. And it's got to just be this impossible feeling and weight in a lot of ways. But it is real. I mean, it's something that plenty of people, I'm sure, have to navigate. And I think it was the only person in that room to tell her that her reasoning wasn't right was Moon. I don't think anyone else could have had the place to say it because Moon's experiencing something very, very similar. Um, right. Now, I, I don't know what happens next for Mommy. I don't know what her life experience is since the filming, since being around these people. Mm -hmm. Um but it, it really, it, it's a dagger for someone watching this to, to watch someone who is literally sacrificing their happiness for other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's got to just feel as though it's a pretty impossible position to be in in a lot of ways. And I do feel like 
what I've appreciated in particular around this season of Drag Race Brands, like, is that notion of these people with different backgrounds, people coming from different places a little bit more, it feels like, and being able to show that range of personal lived experience and be able to bring that, like we're talking about now, in a way that feels as though it hasn't really come up in probably almost any of the franchises. Right. We're going to take another pivot to a very different variation of the story. As Kitty will share that she too thought about this. When she was in kindergarten, she would say that she was a girl. And in graduate school, she continued to think about it. She talked about it with her friends, went to therapy because she was feeling bad. When she discovered drag, she realized that her femininity wasn't a trans identity, but a huge desire to express her femininity. With drag, she can do it all. She says, strangely enough, by doing drag, she feels more comfortable in her male body. It helped her accept her femininity and male body and is feeling much better by doing so. She tells us that she has a male body, but man or woman, she's a drag queen. It has opened her eyes. Again, very different variation to the story. And this is her truth. And I think there are a lot of people who definitely fall into this category. Oh yeah, I I would say so as well. I feel as though that's a lot more common is this idea of Yes, my drag identity, my drag character is a central part of me, but also it allows me to separate and I think compartmentalize is the wrong word in a way, but kind Mm -hmm. of do that and to say, this is this person who is me, but I also navigate the world and I'm very comfortable doing that and can almost do that more comfortably because of drag as an outlet in a different way. Right now, I mean, I I just want to pull this full circle because we're having real important trans conversations on Drag Race. And that is something that feels like a novelty because there was a time when the conversation was from Monica Beverly Hills, I am a trans woman. And that was about it. Right. It took us a long time. It took us a long time. And now we're seeing it and, and presenting it. And it's important. A lot's changed over the years, and I think it's important to have these conversations. They're valid. They need to be discussed on the international scale, and I can't wait to see it continue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I always feel like I remember, too, especially when these conversations on the show come up around trans identities, how people experience gender. Like, again, those very early days of Drag Race where Carmen Carrera was transitioning and was very vocal on Twitter about, you know, being someone who was on the show and what at the time seemed to be the approach to trans people being part of drag race and all of that. So like you were just saying, being able to feel these moments now where it's actually central in a lot of ways to how we understand the contestants and these meaningful conversations happening in the workroom, it's just progress that feels as though it's so important and just so valuable and really remarkable. And I I really appreciate it. It's time to hit the runway where Nikki Doll is looking ravishing and stunning in this little black and nude number with the feathers. Good for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Daphne Berkey holding down solo as No Kitty Smile. Replaced this week by Rosie De Palma and Luc Prigent. Um, We already talked about you hated her look. You, you hated it. Yeah, I just, I was like, that's what you're going to wear? I don't know. It just, it felt It's cold in the studio. 
I, I, I mean, I'm sure it is. I'm like, listen, but Keep you, know, you in 40 years at a cafe in France wearing the same fucking thing. Yeah. But that's also, that's probably real. I'm like, I'm sitting here in judgment of that and being like, oh my gosh, that was crazy to me. And I hated it. When meanwhile, I will probably wear that one day. <laughs> we are going to start with the final product of the parody improv in the croissant show and then move on to a runway. Are you ready? Ready. All right. The croissant the improv. show. Improv. <laughs> Our show begins and we have our two anchors gossiping about a lack of pay raise and who fucked who before they realize, oh, wait, we're on air. I have to say, I love watching news fails. Like those clips on YouTube. Oh my gosh, yeah. Just 10, 20 minutes of failing. That kind of shit cracks me up. Yeah, I always love on shows like Last Week Tonight with John Oliver when he does those compilations in between as the segues between the different uh, main storylines of each episode. And they're always like those local morning shows, just the different ways that people make mistakes or they say crazy things or they also just dress crazy sometimes. It's endlessly entertaining. They're going to welcome us to the show, and their energy certainly was dropped from the first take we saw. I, I Listen, I think they were fine. They didn't have great chemistry. It was really peach over Punani. Yeah, I also felt similarly to what you're describing. I thought they just did fine. It was nice. It was okay. But yeah, neither really like stood out. But I also don't feel like they flubbed it. Right. We have our interview with Daphne from Sarah, and it was pretty solid. I think Sarah played this Daphne-obsessed interviewer well. She was in her own world, and no matter what Daphne said, we didn't hear it because she was stealing the show. Yeah, it was a really interesting pivot from, especially where it was starting with the rehearsals. And at times I was like, I don't know. I don't think this is completely landing. I don't totally get... Like she's supposed to be obsessed, but then there was the whole lip thing. And I was like, you're really obsessed with your lips. I don't, so pieces of it didn't translate for me in particular. Um, But yeah, I mean, it was entertaining. What did pop out was that Daphne said that her book was going to be turned into a series with Russell Crowe playing her. Um, To be fair, Daphne is six feet tall. Did you know that? I did not. She's tall. She's very tall. Um, Sarah was the world's worst interviewer and that's where the comedy came in, I think, in this segment. Right, right. Now it's time for Moon as the new intern who really dove into not knowing where she was. When she realized that the map was not of Switzerland, but of France, she really played the stupidity of knowing nothing. Imagine pina coladas in the south of France. No, froze all day. I really appreciated what Moon did. I We were talking about it before, but I feel as though doing the weather segments on these things can just be such a risk and they can go so wrong. I didn't think that Moon was the absolute best out of the cast this week for the challenge, but I was like, okay, yeah, that's a solid job. Did we learn anything about the weather? Absolutely not. Which is how you know that they did a good job. Yeah. Now it's time for the long legs of Mami Wata as Karine Lecour, the sports instructor. Now, listen, we have had so many fitness bits on Drag Race and our fair share of breastplates. Mommy did not master either. I will say, though, I mean, we can get into the rest of Mommy during the runway and all that, but 
this was another interesting one to me because in a way I felt as though mommy did exactly what they asked to. She did Mm -hmm. the simple exercises. She had everyone doing it. She was like, you'll lose all this weight and whatever, but then it didn't seem like they liked it. So I was like, why did you tell her? I think for me, it was that her arc of this, of her bit was lacking. It it just didn't have a a, a beginning, middle and end. Okay. Um, Yeah. And then was the pit crew man doing it fast or was that sped up? Either way, it was still very hot. Very, very hot. <laughs> Either way, I enjoyed it. Put him in the rush video. Literally. Um, it was very messy. She didn't have anyone to work off of. And I think for her, she needed a scene partner. Yes. Okay. That may- Yeah, that makes sense. I see what you're saying. It is horoscope time. But first, our anchors almost make out. Um, so missed opportunity. So missed. Now, I, I, I don't know anyone who does horoscopes dressed in anything that Kiona wore right if I can't trust your wardrobe I don't know if I can trust your predictions mm-hmm. the crap coming out of her mouth made no sense and I guess that was the whole joke sometimes horoscopes are so Atlantis that we just believe it anyway yeah and I, I think this goes back to the feedback that she got during the the rehearsals was just yes, go for like the wild, go for the campy, just try to be funny and just embrace that. And we're going to appreciate it. So when she said she had a vision, I was like, oh my God, we're getting a That's a Raven reboot. (laughs) Starring Kiana. (laughs) Kitty as Anna Sophie was messy. So messy. Um, If a later time where we are going to use the sexy man and try to make him not laugh. He was struggling. He was very much struggling because he's like, I don't know what what you're doing to me. I don't get it. Please help me. Yeah. I mean, it just, it really did not land it in a, in a whole series of different segments that also didn't make much sense, which was the purpose. Somehow that not making sense just was not landing. It was the croissant in the pit. It was just too much. It was over my head. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. It just was not connecting. Speaking of croissant, it's finally time for food. And I will say that I thought this was actually the best bit. Cookie played the straight man of the role. And I wish she did have an accent because she would have at least had something interesting. Yes, I think that was the biggest, which you were saying before, right? Like, I think the biggest issue that Cookie encountered was that without an accent, without really any inflection, it literally was just like, oh, she's making a salad. And (laughs) in that duo, going back to the other side of duo, Mm -hmm. where it's a risk, you know, it was just Ginger just took it so beyond that it was like Cookie put herself in a position or almost was put because that's what the judges told her to do. Exactly. Where she was forgettable. Ginger was hilarious, taking a swig of wine every time she went to the fridge. Um, relatable content. Um, everything loved it about her, but the wig, so horrid. Oh my god, that wig was from Party City. Yeah, not not great, but especially, I mean, when she fell on the floor at the end to close <laughs> out the segment. I mean, come on. Do you like Niçois salads? I don't know if I've ever had one. I hate tuna, so I don't like it. Yeah, I'm also, I mean, especially canned tuna, I hate. So I'm just like, I wouldn't probably feel inclined to try it. The show's over and well, maybe better in French. Yes, I would agree. I think just 
there was that element of just nonsensicalness to it, which is fine. But yeah, I think just another case of maybe things not translating. I, I think there's a, a French humor because especially based on like that acting challenge we got last season, I think there's a French style of humor that doesn't resonate with us. There's right. something about it that is not in our forte of what we do in comedy. Like if we see like British humor, we get it. it slapstick and, and dry humor. We, we have our own version. Same thing with Australian humor. There's something about the French humor that I don't think we quite have the same thing. So maybe that's why we're having a bit of a lost in translation moment. Yeah. And I think sometimes as well, which we were saying about Kitty, right? Like they are making references to people that they are familiar with that are in their culture that are recognizable to people who are in, you know, France or in that region that understand it more. So I think that's a level as well when there are cultural references that someone who is just not familiar with is making, it's not going to land unless it is very funny to us in the way that we understand humor. Meanwhile, I was going to be like, but we we have our own humor that maybe everyone uh, watching internationally doesn't get on our drag race. And I'm like, no, actually, we don't even get some of the fucking shit that they do. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. Category is Night of a Thousand Dalidas. In honor of the runway, we will play Dalida or Dalidna. Um, or were you familiar with the work of Dalida? I don't think that I was, which I was having flashbacks to also our recaps of Sweden, where it was like, oh, actually, this judge made a very popular song. And so I probably do know. So I was having one of those moments. I also Uh feel like as I watch and continue to engage with more of the international franchises, I just become more aware of how much I'm not familiar with, if that makes sense. And I'm like, wow, there are just so many artists and references and cultural items that I'm just like, I feel very ignorant of. It's one of those things where American culture does go to a lot of other countries. Like it is influenced. It is um, infused. It's not the same. Like we don't take other people's cultures and and histories and artists and break them and embrace them. We just don't do that because we're fucking assholes. That's also probably what it is. (laughs) It's so sad. Okay. Cookie Conti, look by Benjamin Sempio, hair by Jean-Baptiste Santine. We learned that this is a very classic look of Dalita's. Um, put a pin on it because you're going to see it again. I think this looks good. It was very simple. I think the hair is in line with Dalita, but I wish it had a tad more volume, which seems to be a problem with uh, Cookie this season. Um, but this feels very much in Cookie's wheelhouse, but at the same time, I wanted it to be pushed even further. Yeah, I landed in a similar place. I really did not love sort of the bodysuit and like the tuxedo play and how she approached it. I wanted much more from that. I mean, the the coat, the sort of overcoat that she was wearing, I I loved. I thought that you that- need it for Barbie. Well, yes, that part, maybe that's also why it resonated, but I thought that that looked very lovely and very together and I enjoyed that element, but yeah, I wanted, I wanted more. She needs to push it. Daphne says drag drama alert as two of them had the same look and she was afraid for them. She says that this is Delita's iconic look that pays tribute to the cabaret. She says this cloud of frills is absolutely sublime and the mini tuxedo was great. She says like her recipe, which was well done, lacked seasoning. 
Luke says that he loves the outfit and the reference that thought Delita was there. Nikki says the hair color is amazing. She says she can see Delita and also the cookie touch, but the same passion was missing in the challenge. She says, when you choose a teammate, the risk is she shines more than you and says that she stole her thunder. Rosy de Palma says that she loves the restraining during the performance as it is the same restraint Delita had. She says it lacks little drama. I'm going to go very safe on this with a safe Delita. I will do the same. Audience right in the middle. 52% Delita, 48% Delita. Mm-hmm. Kiona, look by Kayan Ray, hair by Ladies Hari by um, uh, Ladies Hair by ha- Amy. This is a look Dalita wore after one of her suicide attempts after she lost one of her lovers. Um, if you don't know the Dalita story, go look it up. So there's history to it. And I think for that, it's very pretty on Kiona. She looks very refined and very pristine. It's just simple. There is nothing to it aside from being a flowy white dress. Again, the hair is in line for Delita, which is very in line for Kiona. Maybe this category was bound for failure because this is drag race, but go big or go home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, of course. And I think this is what everyone would say. And the judges speak to it a lot. Really, the best part of it was the movement. It When she right. twirled, like it flew so beautifully and it was so fun to look at when it was in motion. But, but yeah, I think it's, it was a white dress. I also, I think it was probably because of the technique, which the judges also reference and say that is complex. So I appreciate that. But I wanted the bodice to like feel a little bit fit wise better. It felt like it wasn't giving like a shape. So that also, I, I didn't love. I mean, she looks beautiful. Like you cannot but. Daphne says her arrival was impressive. She says the dress is called the Raquel and it's very famous as it was made by Azaro and worn by Raquel Welch first. She says it's very nice right down to the nails. Luik says that the pleat is very complicated to make and it's very nice when she spins. Rosie says that she is a butterfly ready to fly. And Nikki says that when she saw a queen who was not used to doing humor but listened and was very funny. Participation trophy points. I'm giving this a delete. Nah. I enjoyed it. I'm still going to give it a light Dali Da because I I thought that she looked nice. It was fine. A little simple, but nice. Audience agrees with you. 67% Dali Da, 33% Dali Na. Sarah Forever, look by Clovis Nix, hair by Wig As You Art. Again, it's simple, but at least there's a little bit more drag to it. When mm. you look at the source material, the wisps that Sarah has on the bottom are fully completed dress on Delita. So for this, this was very much a choice. I like the idea of that burning bottom of the gown, but again, seeing the original, I wanted that fucking thing to engulf the entire stage, be the moment. This did not go far enough. Love the hair color. It is a great color on her. Um, I, again, did not care for the topping having sleeves, um, which is very much out of line in the scope of what Delita does. This was a chance for Sarah to embrace sensual and sexy. And I think she tripped up in trying to be different. Yeah, this was another one where I can appreciate an attempt to give the garment movement. And maybe that was the thought of doing almost a fringe was that if she twirled, it would fly and like all of that. I mean, I appreciated the, I guess, consistency of drawing the color throughout too, like the notes in the actual hair and then throughout the dress. And so- there was that element, but similar to what you were saying, I thought something seemed weird about, yeah, like the top and the fit of it and just the fact that it was so covered, but then suddenly went into this fringe. It felt almost more 
I don't know, in a weird way, sort of a dance costume-ish, but yeah. also weird for that because the the fragments of the fabric were so thick, so it wasn't really fringe. Right. It, it was a little strange. It was a choice. Luke says that he is a big fan of the runway. Daphne says that she came on stage ready, beautiful, and prepared. She says she took up the maxi challenge and will clarify to everyone that it was done in two takes. Nikki says that it's impressive, and every week she gives them a drag masterclass. I'm going to give this a delete nah. Yeah, I'm going to give it a deli nah as well. Audience, 68% delita, 32% delita nah. Kitty Space, look by Serafita, hair by Bam Bam Wigs, jewels by Jenny from the Block Note. It's another rendition of the pink coat and leotard. I think Kitty did Kitty's version in comparison. It's not better, nor is it worse. They both live in the same universe of them as drag artists. What I like about this one is the ruffles and the feathers in the jacket. The hair is big, but still in Delita's universe. The leotard is where I'm stuck. It's it's a bit ill-fitting where the bow is attached um, as opposed to the floating bow felt more visually stimulating. I do like that she kept her graphic eye makeup and the arrow bit was a nod to Delita who lived a life with a broken heart. I will say, I, I feel as though I almost had the opposite reaction to Cookie's that I had two kitties because I felt like the coat element looked much better on cookies. I, mm-hmm. I liked that style more. I thought that it looked more, um, I don't know, maybe like I would expect something like that to look. I thought that kitties looked a little bit uh, cheaper and, and not sure. as polished, but in terms of like the bodysuit element, I think I actually enjoyed Kitty's more. I appreciated the touches of pink. The heart I thought was so great. I loved that element of it. And But it goes back to what you were saying. I think they're both just such different drag energies. So mm-hmm. it's not like a better or worse, really. They're just Absolutely. different. There were different things that I enjoyed about one versus the other. Um, and I did appreciate some of those flares that kitty incorporated that really felt kitty yeah daphne says drag drama alert as here is the competitor she says the competition is tough tonight she says that she needed to more takes than the others Blake says that the outfit is screaming 2000 hours of work he says the cape is high fashion rossi says that the heart and the needle what she remembers of delita was the broken heart so she loved it nikki says that she is passionate but she can't always hide behind a character saying taking on an accent and adopting a high-pitched voice is avoiding the essence of her humor. She tells her to let Kitty space shine. She can't do it for her. Kitty will get emotional and say that the fact that she's saying she shouldn't hide behind someone resonates because of her story, saying she often had to hide behind characters and personalities to be accepted by her family and the environment she comes from. She says that she created an armor to be peaceful and try to be happy. And Nikki tells her this is her safe space and they are her family as they are united by their hardships. She tells her to let her guard down and open up because they're there for her. I'm going to also give this a soft Dolly Da. Yeah, I feel the same way. Audience 60% Dolly Da, 40% Dolly Na. Punani, look by Non Source, hair by La Poutre, glasses by Romain Gautier. Uh, this is Drag Darling. This is inspired by Alain Macli, look from 1985. I would wear a pair of those glasses. They are fun, they are camp, and they are my new identity. If you go and look at the dress that this is inspired by, there is certainly an interpretation of it. It's the hips that took me out of it, um, where she took the most liberty, and I'm not sure 
if I liked it because they just looked a little bit wonky as opposed to being like epaulets where it just like looks mm-hmm. like it's part of a dress uh, mm-hmm. or a jacket. I think the choice to be a flared bottom was bold because you could see the construction of it, but overall quite impressed, very fashion forward, very French. Yeah, I loved the collar. I thought that was amazing. Similar to the reaction that you had, I love statement sunglasses. That I yes, wear. you do. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, eyewear is one of my favorite things. I'm a big accessories person. So as soon as I saw those glasses, I mean, I loved it. I don't think that I had the same reaction that you did to the hip thing and that part of the garment and look. I think actually I really enjoyed that mm-hmm. because I thought it gave it an interesting and unique shape that kind of switched it up. Um, I don't know, because it's interesting to say this, but I'm like, I think it made it a little bit more interesting in a way and like That's took fair. it to that place a little bit more. So I didn't mind that at all. And yeah, I mean, just come on. It was it was amazing. I'm going to give it a dully da. Same, absolutely. Audience, 91% dully da, 9% dully da. Ginger bitch, look my mademoiselle kiss, hair by a wig so blue, nails by drag my nails. She is going for a campy approach, giving the monument of dully da and Montmartre. I love that she is doing something so silly. I think when she removed the bronze bust, we did get to see the outfit, which was fine. The silhouette could have been cinched even further, but mm-hmm. I love me some gold leaf in drag. I love it. I love it. I love it. Very smart. More people need to do it. The hair is great. I don't think Ginger is winning the show, but I think Ginger is proving drag at any age or any level mm-hmm. is valid and impressive. Yeah, I think so as well. And I think that's something that I really appreciate because I feel as though as right, I think we often commonly see sometimes the contestants that are a little bit older don't really fare very well and they tend to be the early outs. And so I think what's really amazing about Ginger and being able to get to see her do this is also the fact that she has not even been doing drag for like that long. So to be able to see her excelling in certain ways and really being able to do well no maybe it's not going to translate into winning the season but you know the fact that she's going to be here through at least four episodes and be able to show this package I think it's really commendable and I'm glad that she has this forum to do it Um, in terms of the look yeah I mean I loved the like breastplate thing I thought that was so fun a really interesting and different way to take the challenge, especially because some of the girls did wear the same things, had mm-hmm. similar inspirations. So her approach felt very distinct. Similar to what you were saying, I think once the breastplate came off and I saw it was underneath, I was like, oh, okay, that's just, it's fine. It could be elevated. I thought in particular, the skirt element really did not look yeah. very good. And that left something to be desired for sure. But I appreciated the energy and the thought behind it. Nikki says that they saw she was packed with talent. Daphne says that this is a bustier in homage to Delita with her breasts polished by the tourists. She says, she tells her that she has been in drag for such a short time that she'd like to see different makeup styles and work harder. Rosie says she loved it, and Luex says that on the Croissant show, she outshone everyone in a silent part with only one joke. I will give her a soft Dalida. The same. Audience very mixed. 48% Dalida, 52% Dalida. Bish, look by Serafita, hair by Shaitan. We are getting the puffy coat, but in blue with a twist. Underneath, it's a stunning belly dancer. 
Now we can get into the discussion of, is this cultural appropriation? If it is inspired by Dalida, was it right to do on the main stage? Now, obviously we know from Peach's backstory, she has told us that she is of gypsy heritage and that is also part of the um, elements in this look. No doubt about it. She has a banging body and she has shown off that belly. Go for her. Um, it flows beautifully. The hair is great. It's a cohesive look. I'm just looking at it from an American perspective. What are your thoughts? I really liked it. I think that one of Peach's greatest strengths is the runway. It always feels like yeah. she's giving us a moment. It's always going to be dynamic. It's going to be interesting. I mean, I really enjoyed the colors of the, the reveal outfit and all of that. She looks beautiful. It's just like wild to me um, how beautiful like she looks sometimes. So I, I don't know. I appreciated it. And I thought, again, she looked amazing. So I, I really liked it. I'm going to give it a Dolly Da. Same. Audience, 73% Dolly Da. 27% Dolly Da. Moon, look by Sarabunab. Hair, uh, eyewear by Marlene Chepetain. Nails by Nails by Becca. We are back in a repeat look, but this time done in a moon variety. I think this is not even close to being as exquisite as Punani's, but Moon has put her own personal twist on it. I love the graphics on the neck and the glasses. I wish it did have a little more pizzazz. And the dog was cute. Garza is the latest beloved pug. Overall, it just needed a little more drama, but again, this was the look to do in drag. It would have been the Night of a Thousand Kimonos. <laughs> yes, serious flashbacks. Yeah, I think it's back to the parallel with our other queens, right, that did uh, similar inspirations. It To me, it wasn't necessarily that one was better or worse. They just live in different drag universes. Right. So, it, it you know, it's it's distinct enough. I mean, I, I was mentioning it before when we were talking about moon in the workroom i really resonate so much with elements of her drag so to see her do that look that punani had done but to go through that level of incorporating illustrations that artistry quotes that as well yeah. and using actual like words integrated into the garment i just thought that that was such a moon approach to it yeah. and just something that felt very special and a level of care and creation that I thought was really commendable. And I think again, like really just resonated with me in a particular way. I'll give it a Dolly Da. Yes, Dolly Da for sure. Audience, 90% Dolly Da, 10% Dolly Na. And we have Mamiwata. Look by Fatwata and Lugon Ignas. Give her props. It's not a two-piece. But once again, way too simple for Drag Race. I think the headpiece is giving Showgirl. It's Nikki's color last... If, if, if In Nikki's color last week, she could have been Yzma. Um, the single slit to expose the leg is sexy. It's the side of Mama, Mommy Wata. We like the bottom of the dress with the feathers glued on was a fucking mess. It's, at the end of the day, a very basic and white feathered look. It just did not serve. It was not good. It was not good. Yeah, it was. Oh, boy, it was so rough. And like when it first came out, I wanted to love it. I did appreciate the headpiece. I was like, OK, that's yeah, that's like giving maybe something that feels a little bit different from what we've seen from mommy so far. I appreciate the direction. It feels drag. But wow, the dress was just, oh boy, it was really unfortunate because it was by far the worst of the week. Like it was no contest. 
just yeah wow the the bottom and the way that it was just basically coming undone she couldn't really walk in it either it was kind of like cringy rosie says that she is a lovely drag queen and that she is beautiful Luig says that he loved her entrance that her drag didn't fit through the door and loves that she says we don't fit the standards but we do it anyway he also says that he hopes the person who made the hem is under police protection <laughs> Daphne says that she looks at all the details and says that the dress is not completely closed saying she feels like she had some difficulty and finishes are not perfect I don't know if she was told to ask it but Daphne's going to ask what Delita meant to her and mommy says that she has to admit not much she says she grew up on the Ivory Coast and she doesn't have that iconic status and then she says so sorry wherever she is only to learn that she is dead um, and for those who don't know, she died by suicide. So awkward. I bet she wants that clip back. Very. I, yeah, I was like, wow, I really appreciate just the like commitment to clearly not knowing and being like, love you wherever you are. And then also trying though, to then say when they were like, oh, she's a dead be like, I knew that. Like, mm, did you? Because <laughs> If you said wherever you are, it makes it seem like you didn't know. Nikki says that the max challenge was a bit simple and she could have worked a lot more. She says that she was smart enough to have a funny front and partner, but expected more of her. Uh, this is definitely a delay. Nah. Oh, for sure. Def- like I was saying before, clearly worst of the week, unfortunately. Audience, you're very kind. 62% Dali da, 38% Dali nah. That's kind of shocking. I'm like, people feeling real generous. I think they like her. I think they, they're fond of her. Anyway, I Nikki. do too. I want to love what she does so much. And I really love her energy. But yeah, I'm like, a bad look is a bad look. Listen, we're I talking agree. about the garment. Nikki will call Peach forward and ask her how she did. Oh, the drama. She will say it was a trying week as she gave herself a big challenge with this character and it was a risk. She hopes it will be enough to save her this week. And Nikki will tell her, you're safe. Then Nikki's going to call forward the dueling glasses of Punani and Moon as they are twin sisters and they too are both safe. And I was like, why are we doing? But I kind of live for this. Let's continue this trend. Like really make these girls fucking freak out. Yeah, it felt like a big mind game. I, I think it, it was a little bit confusing to me because I'm like, what is We're the goal used to it. here? Yeah, and I guess that's what it is. Maybe it's just switching it up, keeping it interesting. But Part of me, I think because I'm so used to just the format at this point, I was a little bit of that feeling of like, if you want to say something negative about Peach and just talk about maybe having a misstep this week, just put her in the bottom. I agree. I I agree. You know, it it felt like a little, it was a strange choice to me. This means Kiona, Ginger, Mommy, Cookie, Kitty, and Sarah, the tops and bottoms. Do you agree? Yes, I definitely did agree. I mean, I thought you know, we were talking about it when we were going through the actual challenge, but, you know, Peach and Punani and Moon, they were fine. I probably would have swapped Kiona and Moon because I really, really do think the garment was suffering for Kiona, mm. um, but they lived for it, so. Yeah, I was going to say the judges loved how it looked when she twirled, so yeah. I guess the twirl is what put her in the top. We're going to journey to the workroom where the safe girls take a load off and sip. Punani was scared when they called Peach forward alone. And Peach says, it's not great to be safe, but it's okay. And Moon is like, I know I'm from Switzerland where we're neutral, but third time being safe as she is the only queen to still not get a critique. Yeah. 
Very interesting. Because it's that piece too, which we've been talking about. I feel like Moon is pretty distinct. Like she yeah. definitely has a perspective. It feels unique enough from the rest of the group. So to have three episodes and not be able to get any real feedback, it, it feels interesting. Absolutely. The tops and bottoms are here and they have some news to spill. Kitty will apologize for her makeup as she cried on stage. She knows she's in the bottom, but is she safe? She doesn't really know. Cookie and Mommy raise their hand to share that they too got mixed reviews and Cookie doesn't know why it has to be them again. Mommy will finish her drink and says she doesn't feel sad. If she lip syncs, she lip syncs. She's going to eat the other girls up. Meanwhile, Cookie says she's already sent one home. She'll do it again if she has to. Mommy will slightly joke, but clearly put a seed in the ear of production that it would be nice if the two girls in the same outfit did the lip sync. I mean, could you imagine? I don't think it would be possible. Who? What do I know? They wanted something dramatic and we got dramatic. Yeah, that was my feeling about it. I basically was thinking because they, for whatever reason, sent Rose home first. We're not going to get that iconic Punani Rose lip sync. So this was their moment to have a real gaggy, dramatic, or wearing similar inspiration looks lip sync. Now, before the Queen's return, it's pizza time. That made me hungry. I wonder how French pizza is. Yeah, same. I feel like I've never really heard anything about it. Nikki has decided the winner of the week is Sarah Forever. She wins 2,500 euros worth of jewelry from Yiparai. Kiona, Ginger, and Mommy are safe. It is the battle of the coats. Cookie versus Kitty. And I do want to share a funny note to the listeners, anyone who follows on Instagram. I fucked up on the toot and boot this week and accidentally wrote Kitty on Cookie's photo. Do you know how I found out? I got called out by the fucking host. Yes, dear friend of the pod, Nikki Dahl sent me a message and corrected me. Thank you, Nikki. I love you. I apologize. Um, When I saw that, I was like, oh my God, I can't, like, I know sometimes like you, 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 your famous friends don't see your stories because they're busy being famous. And Nikki's one of them. And anytime she sees my stuff or comments, I'm very happy. I'm always happy. And then when I saw that, I was like, fuck, I really fucked this one up. That's the worst timing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. To like have it in that moment where Nikki really was looking just so funny. She's but- paying attention. Yeah, with and it was an easy mistake I feel to make because it was the queen with the similar look, you know, and it the similar like name, totally Cookie face. and Kitty. Right, exactly. Like similar sounds. It's all of those levels. It was a mistake anyone could have made. Cookie, I apologize. Um, all right, the song is Dalida's Monday, Tuesday, La Cez Moedans. This is the song that Sarah Forever's look is from. Oh. Yep. So it's a dance look. Uh, This song was so campy and retro and vintage. And watching the judges clap to this, Rosie was like, please don't make me do this. Please don't make me do this. Please don't make me do this. Um, But it almost felt like, you know, there are some songs that there's like a built-in clap to it. um, For, Mm -hmm. let's say, Cher. You know, um, uh, Dark Lady, and there's the clap, clap. Like, that's what it felt like. Like, like it's a built-in clap song. Yes, yes. Um, I think this was a very strong lip sync. They both did really great. I think Kitty probably would have beaten a lot of the others um, behind her. But Cookie Cunty is a star. This is what she does and this is what she excels at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I pretty much had that thought as well. I mean, 
it, it was, I think, pretty competitive. And I think Kitty really held her own. But both last week and this week, it's just so clear that, I mean, like, Cookie is just a lip sync artist. Like, she has such an amazing energy. She commands the stage. She's so engaging. It's like, you want to watch that show. So yeah. even if it feels like, you know, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of like, even though it feels like the songs that she's had to lip sync to aren't necessarily the most like dancey dancey, like all of that energy, even if it's a little bit more simplistic of a song, like Cookie delivers it in such a way that's so compelling, you can't deny it. Absolutely. If there was a case to save them both, I probably would have done so. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just don't think timing is on that side to do that. Two, season two, it's too early for that. Um, but Cookie County is safe as Kitty Space leaves us. Do you agree? I do unfortunately think that, you know, it probably was time for Kitty to go. I just think like there just wasn't enough of that well-rounded package to last much longer. In a way, I will say I was a little bit surprised that maybe Cookie wasn't safe and that Mommy wasn't in the bottom because that look was just so bad. So, but I think it goes back to that idea of just, it was an iconic lip sync moment. Cookie didn't do very well in the challenge. So it was how things shook out. And I do again, feel as though it was the appropriate time at this juncture and what we've seen for Kitty to go. Yeah. It's a stacked cast. Like any week, every week now, it's going to be someone you don't want to see go home because they're very, very talented. Yeah. Essentially. All right. I got some burning questions to wrap this podcast. Are you ready? Ready to do it. What is Kitty's legacy? I think it's the makeup. I think just being able to deliver really interesting faces and being able to show that skill set. And also, I mean, trying, right? Like trying really hard, not giving up, all of that. I think that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, and I think obviously being with the first um, Queen of Asian descent on Drag Race France is very, very important. Certainly. Um, I can't wait to see others come and follow her. But yeah, I think her makeup is definitely something that was something no one else in this cast had. Right. Who won the week? Who had the best episode? I'm actually going to say that I think it was Ginger. I, you Same. Know, we were, That's why yeah, I put down. Yeah, exactly. We were talking about it before when we were discussing her runway and performance this week, but it really feels as though we're getting that sense that Ginger's coming into her own, that wherever she ends up placing, you know, she's really stepping up. And I've been pleasantly surprised. You know, I wasn't really the most uh, excited up front in the preview to see Ginger, but being able to see her really blossom and being able to see what she's able to produce, I feel honestly that she should have won the challenge this week. I agree. Like, you know, so I think there were just all of those elements that were just like, wow, this is a standout episode for Ginger. We have Snatch Game next week. Who do you think will do well and who is going to have the fate of leaving? I think mommy's going to be in danger because she had the opportunity this week to do a character and a solo character. And yeah, and improv, all of those notes that are involved in Snatch Game and she really did not do well. So first and foremost, I, I think she's in trouble. I'm also a little bit interested to see how like Kiana fares I mean, do I think that she would go home? No, I'd be very shocked, but it's that same thing of she did humor this week in a way that the judges responded to really well. And it was just sort of, 
a little bit off the wall, nonsensical. So I'm interested to see how she's going to translate that energy into a character, who she's going to do and what that's going to look like. After three episodes, the winner of the season is. I would say at this point, the edit is pointing to Sarah forever. I mean, every week the judges are just eating it up. And I don't think that it's completely unwarranted. I do feel as though this week it was a little bit much. Yes, I think that she was very entertaining, deserved a spot in the top. But as we were just mentioning, I really feel like Ginger should have won this week. So there just seems to be an element of Sarah Forever that they're responding to so well. And I mean, Nikki said it, right? Like they feel as though every week is a drag masterclass. So if we're getting that sentiment in episode three, that's a very strong front runner. It's really interesting because I feel like just like last season, there are people who are well-known who are just flatlining. Yeah. You have people who are this great drag artist who are doing well and being rewarded, but you don't feel like they can win. And then you have these people who um, are just there and they're doing the thing and they're, they could, you never know what's going to happen. And I almost feel like in a way that Sarah Forever is feeling like the Paloma this season where she's great, she's an amazing drag artist, but I wanted her to win, but I was like, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's going to go to La Grande Dame. Didn't happen. For me, um, the La Grande Dame of this season is Kiona, but I feel like Kiona is going to win. And then you have Peach. In a way, I almost feel like the Peach of this season is also shared with Cookie because I feel like the two of them are very much in the Cam Hugh category. Mm-hmm. And then you have like Punani, who again, legendary, is flatlining right now, not doing poorly, not doing great, but she's probably going to float her way to the end. And if she gets a victory or two, it could change the entire season. I think I'm going to go with Kiona. Yeah, I, I think for me, it's very much between... Uh, Sarah Forever and Kiona because they're even though Kiona hasn't had a win yet just the consistent top placements is you know of course a really strong showing in and of itself so those are definitely where I'm leaning at this point and I think it's going to be interesting in terms of some of those other elements to see how it shakes out you know and I for me also and maybe it's because we're watching her right now but gives me Jimbo vibe where you're seeing a drag artist you're seeing someone who is not going to fit the norms of what drag is and i almost feel like as a franchise of drag race you don't want sarah forever to win right now because you want to continue to watch the growth on more seasons and i feel like this is it you're not getting you're not getting kiona again yeah i can i can definitely see that and then i think Going back to what you were saying around some of the more, I guess you would say, like established, super well-known, what I go back to in that regard sometimes is just that, you know, drag race is a competition, right? It's like a particular format and a a particular iteration of drag that just not everyone can necessarily show their absolute best in. And there are ways in which putting it in a television format and a competition forum, it's not going to lend itself to showing someone's strength. So I think like sometimes the more prominent queens that come on the show do fall into that. And then they really 
end up flatlining a little bit yeah. and not being able to really show that full entity and body of work. We'll see. A lot more season to go. We're yeah, exactly. And I mean, we were saying it before too, but it's just this cast really does feel pretty solid and they're all really competitive. And I think for the most part, it could shake out a couple of different ways it feels. So I'm just super interested because I feel like it's a little bit unpredictable. Absolutely. All right. Where can we find you on social media, Venmo, and any projects you want to plug? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at OG double underscore fag. And at the end of this week, you can join me, of course, in Barbie land. First and foremost, of course, got to get it out there. Or as well, you can catch me, obviously, listening to the impending Britney single that is dropping at the end of this week. If they it is. It, yeah, I'm like, they teased it as if it was coming out today. Will I Am tweeted that it's coming out on Friday. They have the pre-save links up. I'm just going to go with that for now. So let's just say that that's going to happen. Um, other than that, within the next couple of weeks, I will actually be in full drag for the first time since January, which feels so wild. I'm doing a little local like private gig scenario, but there will definitely be plenty, I'm sure, of videos, photographs, all of that that you can catch on my social media. So be sure to look out for it there. Amazing. Well, thank you for being here as always. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I We've been saying it throughout, I think, the episode so far, but this season has been really great. It's been a wonderful start, first couple of episodes. You know, I'm really enjoying it, so I'm really eager to see where the rest of the season takes us. 